If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. At the start of the coronavirus pandemic, there was a renewed societal effort to prevent the spread of COVID-19 by washing our hands, wearing masks, and disinfecting everything in sight. Healthcare workers have been employing these methods, and so many more, from as far back as the mid-19th century to ensure patient safety. Entire hospital departments, sterile processing and housekeeping, to name just a couple, are built for cleaning, decontaminating, processing, sterilizing, assembling, testing, packaging, and managing medical instruments and equipment. It's a role we all play to some extent or another as Nemours Associates, even if it is as simple as washing your hands. Yet there's always more to be done, continuous improvement to be had, even in cleaning and maintaining medical equipment. And that's where this story really begins, with a project centering on finding, cataloging, and providing for use by Nemours Associates the manufacturer's instructions for use, the IFUs, for every piece of equipment used in the Delaware Valley. The project began in 2018, the idea of a single person, in anticipation of survey visits from the Healthcare Quality and Safety Group, known as the Joint Commission. This is Garema Mamida. I'm a Senior Clinical Quality Analytical Coordinator. I do a lot of data analytics for quality and safety team. The reason I was involved with this project was because I've been passionate with commission preparedness and getting the hospitals ready for the survey. So this was a project that did not need a lot of analytical work, but still needed a lot of logical working behind the scenes to get people ready and safe. The work actually started in 2018 and 19 when we had an extension joint commission survey at the clinics, one of the times when the outpatient clinics were part of joint commission along with the hospital. So this was like an urgent need for IFUs. Equipment needed to be cleaned and disinfected for patients to be safe after each use. So I came in there from Florida for two months, three to four days a week. I was in Delaware taking pictures of every equipment in the clinic, inventorying them, and then trying to find their IFUs by researching on Google or calling the companies to get their guidelines for cleaning or disinfection. Everything was good. Then again, come 2019 and 2020 beginning, we are preparing again for Joint Commission Service as a Delaware Valley project. It's a big deal now. We had some part of the work done, but inpatient units have much more equipment than outpatient clinics. So our mock surveyor, she came in and said, oh, why don't you do the same thing that you did for outpatient clinics? 
get all the IFUs together, create education sheets for end users to be able to use the correct wipe for disinfection. And that is when it all started. I was asked to come again to start doing the work. I was in Delaware for three weeks in February last year, and then COVID hit. (laughs) We were asked not to travel again. There were bigger priorities. A lot of us were asked to work remotely. We couldn't even go to our offices, let alone travel to another state. So we were asked to work differently. And that is, I think, months later is when Jessica and other people got involved. And this project actually became much bigger than me just going out and taking pictures of equipment. Which meant creating partnerships within Nemours to make this massive project come to life. Enter Jessica Jordan. I'm Jessica Jordan. I work in performance improvement. Most specifically, I work within our support services team in the Delaware Valley, but I find myself working outside of my immediate scope of practice often because I'm pretty passionate about improving areas and getting us to a really good place. I've had the great luxury of being able to work alongside Garima for several months now. And this project started pretty slowly. There are so many facets to this work that are hidden from public view. Typically speaking, we will have that which you can see on stage, if you will, as patients are coming in for their care. The stuff that we're working on with this is really making sure kind of backstage in preparation for our experience for our patients' families and for our fellow team members. We're doing the work of making sure that every single interaction you have with every surface, every piece of equipment, everything is 100% safe before we are going to allow you to touch it. If you can imagine just the amount of pieces of equipment that are utilized in serving this podcast, imagine that, again, stretched out across the entire Delaware Valley. It's a big project, and there's a lot of different moving parts in there. Hi, I'm Jay Chapman. I am one of the nurse managers for the, uh, the ACC. We need to have a standard in place for how we manage cleaning and disinfecting of all the equipment that we have in our patient care areas. I don't think we even think about every single thing that we use in this hospital that has to be cleaned and inventoried and the thought process that goes behind that. I'm Julie Verhoff. I'm the audiology manager for the Delaware Valley. We have over 500 pieces of equipment that have to be managed and logged and inventoried and things like that. So this was one of the projects that just kind of came close to home for us because everything that you have to clean, that you have to use, whether it's a monitor on a computer or the keyboard to the toys to the actual equipment that's saving lives in the OR. I mean, every single one of those things has an instruction for use and how you're supposed to clean it and what you can and cannot use because you may be destroying the plastic. So I think a lot of us just do what we were taught to do or what we observe, but not necessarily the thought process is like, there's this instructional, you know, this IFU that you're supposed to reference if you don't really know what to do or how best to do that. I think COVID-19 was a big motivator, not only for our hospital, but also Joint Commission. They put in higher standards for us to follow, to have these manufacturer's guidelines for each and every equipment that we use between patients. I think we took this project really seriously, especially with COVID. As an organization, we're in the business of getting kids to the peak point of health. And so COVID really changed the dynamics of how we were going to achieve that. And so to Garama's point, we were already putting a lot of resources into being able to build this structure before it was in vogue, if you will. And then once COVID hit and everything had to change, 
that's when we really had to level out expectations. We know that this is really important. This is key to providing an environment that is safe for not just our patients, but really respecting the needs and the safety of our associates as well as they traverse through the halls. If you can remember what March and April was like, people were terrified to go to their cars, much less to get in it to drive to work. We were able to build on that which Garama was able to accomplish. And a small team at first was built around it. That's when we really started to look to the Julies and to the Jakes to say, Garama can't do this from Orlando. I also am one person and I'm not a clinician, neither of us are. We're really going to need to lean on our clinical partners to understand what support do you need from us as we're trying to help you guys not only navigate through that, which Jake was talking about with being able to see patients in person, being able to find ways to build up testing capabilities. In Julie's world, being able to get kids to be able to retain or to be able to hear in new ways for the first time so that we can really get back to our mission of being able to provide good care to these kids and giving them opportunities for health and wellness. I also think it'd be important to talk about what an IFU is since we're referring it so often. An IFU stands for Instructions for Use. And really, it's a map. Every manufacturer provides for you this treasure map of how to utilize the equipment the best way possible. Not only is it use, but also how to clean, how to store every way that that manufacturer wants you to do it right. They've given you the map to do it. The best way I've explained it to folks is that when you buy a coffee pot at your local grocery store and you bring it home, the first thing I do with the instruction manual that comes with it is I either throw it out with the box or I put it in a drawer and I pretend like I'm going to use it at some point. And then I don't because it is a $25 coffee pot. As it relates to the equipment that we're using for kids who come in through our care, we're talking about million-dollar pieces of equipment, million-dollar MRI machines. We're also talking about thousand-dollar blood pressure cuffs. Anything that touches a patient, we want to at all times make sure that it is 100% safe. For us, we're really looking to the manufacturer as the expert on the machine itself and how we need to utilize that. But we want to make sure that Jake, that Julie, that Jessica, that Garama, that Carol, that Anybody who can actually utilize that, recognizing that there are certain external risks to the organization, and we're still seeing those as variants to COVID-19 come through the system, we want to make sure that no matter what, Nemours has been here for 75 years, and my gosh, it's going to be here forever, through utilizing that which has been provided to us by folks like basic manufacturers that are helping us in any way possible. Our department was kind of one of the fortunate ones that Guillermo did a lot of work with, with actually Kristen, my counterpart, with managing the ACC. So we already had a great starting point. And then it was just kind of going through and seeing if there was any gaps and then kind of how to fill those gaps. So when we were looking at at our different equipment that was not in that initial IFU binder. And so That's another kind of key term that we'd like to talk about is that there were instruction for use binders. And then there's also a place on the internet within TeamShare that could also be referenced as a resource. So one of the tasks, in in addition to trying to make sure that all of the pieces of equipment had an IFU, was also to make sure that our staff knew where this IFU binder was located and then could find in the binder this piece of equipment, more importantly, how to disinfect it. And from my experience with joint commission surveys and with associates interacting with the surveyors is we get really nervous. We don't know what to say. We kind of freeze and panic. 
And so trying to make it as accessible to our team as possible has really been probably equally as challenging as trying to locate an IFU for like a stethoscope or like a stopwatch that you would never think that you would need an instructions for how to clean that. But we have to try to find one and then also educate the team on how to access that information. So that's been kind of the work that we kind of continue to do because it never stops as as new things enter our, our world. And we also try to maintain this constant state of joint commission readiness. And so it was in the spring of 2020 when an email went out to every employee of the Delaware Valley, 5,000 strong, asking that they find and maintain IFUs for every piece of equipment they use. Certainly, eventually, an email went out to the whole of the Delaware Valley. But at first, Garama and I became kind of the IFU enthusiasts. We keep telling folks, look how great these things are. Don't you want to take part in this IFU process? Who doesn't love an IFU? <laughs> and so there was at one point after a joint commission huddle, basically we just pleaded our case and we said, here's what we've got. We can't do this. We know that you can't do this, but we know that we have to do this. And so Garama and I are going to be here in any way that you need us to be to get you to the finish line. We need you guys to cross it, though. And so Garama and I leveraged a lot of friendships that we've built over time with other teams. We had some volunteers that saw what we were trying to do. We had incredible people like Julie and Jake and Christina Olson and Lauren Gilbert and Kelly Schioli and just really passionate people who were going to work alongside us and teach us along the way to say, how can we make this right? because we recognize that plates are so full right now and that the science continuously changes. And now we're going to have to mask. And now we're going to have to do this. And now also let's all get vaccines. And now here's another change. And as we crest over into the second year of COVID, we may not be at that same rate of change, but it's going to continue to happen. So we want to take these simple things like understanding that a purple top wipe is how we're going to clean surfaces and remove that from the energy that you're having to expel and really just make it easier for folks as they're trying to do the right thing. The timing of that email request was perfect for Julie Verhoff and her audiology team, who had already been working on completing an equipment inventory during their COVID-related downtime. So you had to go and you were like looking for every single piece of equipment and giving me the make and the model and all of this stuff. So that's how we started slowly getting together our inventory, which was great. When the call came out or the request or the email came out, I work very closely with our clinical engineer who is amazing. We have somebody dedicated to the audiology department named Frank Lombardo, and he is a true champion. He makes sure that the equipment's working, the provider feels the equipment's working and where is it and what's going on. So we had slowly been working on it. When the request came out, we actually started getting a little bit busier. They let us start seeing patients. So it was very stressful when someone came and said, you now have to give me all of these and you need your instructions for use and you need all of this. And I'm thinking, I have 500 pieces of equipment and I have five locations and you want me to get all of that and put it in a binder. I was just kind of floored at the request because of everything that we were going through. And it was very stressful already. And I remember thinking to myself, though, I feel like our department was so far ahead because we had already started those processes, not even knowing what Jessica and Guillermo were working on. 
And I couldn't imagine another department who hasn't had that or been there. And I think that that for us is that we prepared and and they were very kind and everybody gave us the resources that we need and the time that we needed to get it done. I think because of COVID, people were a little bit more serious or understood the need for it because we could relate it to infectious control and not just your daily, but this is COVID and we have to know how to clean it. But then we started learning all of these things that we weren't doing correctly, that we might have been disinfecting it, but not using the right wipes, or we were using this. And actually, you need to use that one because this plastic can break and brittle, and then you have to replace it. And so we started learning all of those things, as well as we learned is that not all manufacturers and vendors are equal, right? So somebody might have a great map and somebody doesn't have a great map. So even though there's something out there, that doesn't mean it's so helpful. I think it taught the vendors too, because we started poking at them to say, we need this information. And then they had to kind of do better. Everybody had to just do better is really what it came down to. So this is something that's, well, I can't say it's nearly complete because I, I don't think this is the kind of project that is ever truly complete. But you're as close as you can be, perhaps, in Delaware Valley? Yeah, I was rushing here from doing a what we call a Gemba walk, which is we go to where the work is done and we assess and say, what are the gaps? And talking to a team, we were finding that they're still bringing in new equipment. How would they best be able to have the IFUs readily available to their team? So Garam and I are there as we learn about gaps in the system taking them, educating ourselves on how to make better the lives of others, narrowing those gaps so that we can try to get to perfect as closely as possible. But as we add in new programs, as the science in other areas provides that there's a new best practice, we'll never get to 100%, but we'll get to 100% as it relates to safety, which is pretty cool. And having folks like Julie and, and Jake along for the ride makes our lives a little easier because they can help us understand how it is that we need to support other teams better. And as we roll this down south, we want to make sure that that which we're providing to them is the best possible so that we can start to take some energy off of folks in this sort of machine, if you will, of Nemours and get back to really being able to provide engaging, positive experiences for our patients, families, and teams. It sounds like undertaking this project in 2020 was layer of stress upon layer of stress upon layer of stress. Julie, talk about that. You're smiling and you're kind of chuckling. Talk about that a little bit. Well, in our department for audiology, the word equipment, it just causes stress for everyone because a provider cannot do their job. They can't diagnose and they definitely can't treat the patient with hearing aids or a cochlear implant if the equipment's not working. There's nothing that an audiologist can do or bill for or provide a service without a piece of equipment. So that already, it has to work. It can be really stressful. In our employer engagement, that came up, right? That is the number one. And I remember coming in and Yale inverse of the director telling me like, this is on your performance management and you need to improve this. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, not only are everybody already upset about this equipment and it's on employee engagement, is that now we have to go and we're doing all this IFUs and this, and I'm telling them they have to clean it with this and read this. So they see me coming and it's it can be really stressful. However, I tell 
Yale, if anything happened tomorrow, I can say I feel confident that we are at a good place with our equipment, that maybe we had a hundred things that we were looking at. And now you can look at our board and maybe there's 10. And that's not due to us. That's us waiting from the vendor. So we are in such a great place. And I think even Frank Lombardo can say this is that we feel comfortable about the processes that we put in place, but we really had to learn from them. We tried things and things didn't work. And then we had to go and do something different. And it was a true continuous improvement project until now we have this process that is really everybody has to take some responsibility. It could be very stressful, but geez, it could be so darn rewarding and you just keep doing it every day, no matter how stressful it was the day before. So Garima, you were the one woman show for the longest time. And now you've got 5,000 associates in the Delaware Valley who are on board, as Jessica said, with what you're doing and what you've done. How does it feel to have that kind of support for this project that you really spearheaded? It feels great. It feels so rewarding that so many people are now taking pride in the work that they now own. It's not that I'm the owner. They're the owners. That's where we want it to be, that they lead the work on their own. They own it. They feel proud about it. And they do. I just asked Lauren, do you still like your IFU binder? And she said, of course I do. That's the kind of spirit we have right now. What I'm hoping for is that we continue this work, maintain it, of course, at Delaware Valley, but also bring it down here in Florida so we can continue to keep our patients safe and family safe and, of course, our associates safe. Garima Midha is a senior clinical quality analytical coordinator based in Orlando and has been the driving force behind the instructions for use cataloging process in the Delaware Valley, now making its way to the Florida region, too. What a great group of people to work with. Thank you, Jessica, Jake, Julie, and Garama for sharing the nuts and bolts of the IFU project on this episode. Coming up next month on the Champions for Children podcast, we celebrate Founders Week with a series featuring a look back at the history of Nemours through the eyes of current and past associates and a look ahead at the future and what that has in store. More on that to come. If you or someone you know has an Amora story to share, reach out to us via email. We'll set up an interview, podcast at namores.org. That's podcast at namores.org. The Champions for Children podcast is available to you on Nemoresnet and the Nemours Now app, as well as your favorite podcast app on your phone and your smart speaker. Streaming and download is free. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with everyone you know. Thanks to our production team, Deborah Griffin, Peter Adebi, and Savannah Pettit. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Garama Midha, Jessica Jordan, Jake Chapman, and Julie Verhoff, I'm Carol Vasser. Thanks for listening to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve. <laughs>